0: Well, hello, Tessa. Well,
1: hello, Jesse.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spooky Soup Podcast. Uh, Like she just said, I'm Jesse. And I'm Tessa. How was your week?
1: It's good. Busy.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Nice. How about yours? It was good. Celebrated our three-year anniversary this week.
1: That's wild.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It's been three years, my wife and I. So for those of you who haven't looked at our Instagram page, we went to the Fear Factory.
1: As promised.
0: Yes. So they were doing a Friday the 13th special. So, you know, we had to jump on it. So we did. And it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. However, when we got there, we did not realize that it was a blackout. So pretty much what that means is they turned off all the lights. So we couldn't see anything. They gave Tessa this little, like, finger-held flashlight. And I think that was more to signal the actors that we were coming instead of actually giving us... An idea of where we were going.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, because the (laughs) light on it was red, and it was tiny. Like, the amount of light it emitted was about the size of a dinner plate. So...
0: Yeah, it was pretty bad. It
1: (laughs) did not help in any way. (laughs) No.
0: It was fun, but it did bug me, because I wanted to see the the inside of the Fear Factory, the architecture. Not architecture, but, you know, Mm -hmm. see where... The dudes died and all that (laughs) stuff. So, and cool decorations. Yeah, exactly. See the cool decorations. But uh, from what I could tell while we were standing in line before we went in, other people didn't know it was a blackout as well. So, we weren't the only ones. So, they lied to us. They said it was on their website, and I went back and looked, and it was not on the website.
1: Yeah, they did a surprise blackout. Yeah.
0: But it was still fun. Yeah. We'll go back in October for the legit, the like, legit going through so I can see everything
1: I will say I think it's my favorite haunted house it was pretty good it was so good
0: I think the actors need to have better makeup done oh yeah from what I could tell though once again it was pretty dark Mm -hmm. but like comparing it to other haunted houses they didn't have like any like prosthetics on it was all just face paint okay you know what I mean
1: I did see the guys walking around the courtyard like while we were waiting in line. They had Mm -hmm. good prosthetics on. Those were good, yeah. yeah. They were really good.
0: Yeah. But a lot of the actors and actresses, they just had just some face paint. So, I mean, which is fine if you can make it look good. But however, I didn't super love what I saw for what I could see.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I just remembered that at one point they split us up. So it was me my fiance and then Jesse and his wife and they split us up and Jesse and his wife didn't have a light. I was Mm -hmm. the only one in our group who had a light. And so I was screaming (laughs) Jesse and I could hear him like all the way across the factory floor, yell back my name. And right then an actor heard me yelling your name and he started singing Mm (laughs) Jesse like all over. And he kept going, which one of you is (laughs) Jesse
0: And I kept saying, it's me, I'm Jesse. And then he wouldn't do anything. He just kept saying, who's Jesse? It's me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the funny thing about going to a haunted house is you always have to remember that these actors or actresses are, like, probably theater students from the U or...
1: Or, like, 16-year-olds. Yeah, or 16-year-olds. At West High. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Who just love to spook people, so...
1: Honestly, same.
0: It was fun. Would you like to go ahead and spook me with your Reddit stories today?
1: I would. So... I only have one Reddit story, but it's longer. Okay, this was posted in r slash Sleep by op as death beckons. And the title is, My family was very religious, but we didn't pray to God. I have reframed from telling the story for many years. Maybe I thought that if I kept it to myself, chained up and locked deep away like a venomous snake, then maybe my trauma would eventually fade away. But as I lie awake, sleepless for the third night in a row, It became obvious what I needed to do. My wife was snoozing beside me, and our cat, Nala, lay motionless at our feet. She must have snuck out of the kids' room somehow. I remember how strange it was for us, my sister and I, despite having grown up knowing nothing else. Our parents were incredibly religious, and, of course, they pushed their views hard and strong onto us. We never owned a TV growing up. We only ever learned about computers when we went to school. And the color white did not exist anywhere in our household. Interesting. And when I say it did not exist, it really did not exist. Our refrigerator had been painted black. Every wall in the house was a drab gray color. Every article of clothing, whether shirt, shoe, or even underwear, had to adhere to an allotted color palette. No white. Every single door in the house, save for the front and back, had been removed and we were required to attend cleansing twice every day at 3 a.m. and 3 p.m. without fail. Even our dog, Alan, had to be present for these prayer meetings that I had come to loathe with every fiber of my being. The cleansing always went the same. We would all gather in the living room, circled around a rickety round table. Four dolls made out of black clay would be placed upon it, as well as a big black ball of hair and bone that I never dared ask about. My father would then drink from a very old, very rusty chalice and would pass it first to my mother, who in turn passed it to my sister Patricia, who was older than me, and then it would finally come to me. I'll never forget the bitter taste of the thick red beverage. After finishing it off, I was to place the chalice on the table as it was never allowed to touch the floor. Then my father would say something in a language I didn't recognize before pulling out two very long, very ancient scrolls. They seemed to be written in the same made-up language that he was speaking, and he would read passages from them. Occasionally he would translate the words, but none of what he said ever really made sense. We come to you together, great one, and beg for our souls to be chosen. The blood of the foolish grows colder, O elder, let it run truly. Great elder, the wind blows and the earth bleeds, but the time of the virgin is near. Yeah, our childhood was pretty messed up. My sister and I were allowed to go outside and play with our friends, but we were strictly forbidden from telling anyone about the goings-on in our household. We are the last descendants of his original four, my father told us once. As he rested on both knees, his eyes closed and his hands raised in worship. Only we have the blood and only we are worthy of his gaze. I looked over at him while I rubbed Alan's belly. Who is he, Dad? You've never told us his name. I can't tell you. What I do not know. Be grateful, son, for if any of us ever spoke his name, our tongues would wither to dust in our mouths. We ate lamb, potatoes, and cabbage for dinner every night. Every. Night. We were also only allowed to drink water that my mother drew from our personal well in the backyard. Breakfast usually consisted of any assortment of lamb, eggs, nuts, and freshly chopped apples. We each had an assigned position at the table, even Alan had to be tied to a certain leg of the table every day, and we're not allowed to speak while eating. When we were done, we were to give our leftovers to Alan, who was obviously more than delighted to have human food every day. Though we were allowed to do homework, we were forbidden from reading any books. He promised that he would teach us the true language when each of us turned 14, as was the tradition. He would also teach us the ways of the body, he promised, and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. Even though I was only 12 years old, I knew this wasn't good. I wanted to get my mother and sister the hell out of there. When I came to my mother with a plea to escape one day while dad was at work, she simply shook her head and looked at me with sad eyes. This is the way things have to be, sweetheart. I'm so sorry. But if we are to be chosen to walk amongst the flowers of paradise, we must adhere to his will. Mom, just listen to yourself. Dad has you brainwashed. I bet you didn't even know whatever the elder one is before you met him. That made her chuckle. But I did, son. You see, your father and I were... uh, Fruits of the same seed, if you will. You were what? Yikes. She looked at me for a second before replying. You know... You'll learn all about it one day. Just pray, sweetheart, and maybe he'll forgive you. The Great One is always listening. I was still hell-bent on getting out of there. I did not sleep that night, but instead waited until the house was quiet and snuck out of bed. I had to do this quickly because it was time for a nightly cleansing. As I was making the way down the hall, however, I heard my dog barking in the backyard. I crept to the window and peered outside. Alan was wagging his tail bouncing around excitedly as my father stood over two people, one of them a man, the other a woman. Both had been bound at the wrists and ankles. Both looked absolutely terrified as they lay with gags in their mouths at my father's feet. He was speaking the true language. Holding two fingers up in the air, his eyes closed. I could not believe what I was seeing. I was frozen, unable to move, wondering what my father was up to and why he had dragged our dog into this. After a few minutes of this ominous scene, my father stopped chanting and raised a knife in the air. He sliced his own finger and then let the blood drip down onto the faces of the man and the woman. He then sucked his own finger before letting Alan laugh at it as well. He then stood up and grabbed the man by his feet. I watched as he dragged the man over to our well. It was only after my father picked him up, shaking and trying to yell through his gag, and dumped him into the well that I screamed. My father glanced up spotting me in the window and i turned to run i ran towards the front of the house but my mother suddenly came out of her room completely naked and a candle in one hand blood ran down her chin and she held a heap of bloody meat in the other hand you've interrupted the ritual damn you i dashed back down the hall and into the nearest room i could find the room of worship as my dad had called it there were all sorts of strange things here old dusty books Dead animal carcasses and jars, the clay black dolls, brass relics, and a chalice that we drink from, along with other things I had no interest in. My heart hammering against my ribcage, I looked around for something, anything to protect myself. I grabbed out a knife that had dark stains on it, knocked over one of the clay dolls. I felt as though I was being watched and spun around. My mother and father were both standing in the doorway, candlelight illuminating their haunted faces. You shouldn't be in here, my father said sternly, as though he were scolding me for getting a bad grade. Dad, what were you doing out there? The man, you just, just fed his soul to the Great One. It is what we must do, son, in order to stay in the darkness, for only in the dark will we find our salvation of his choosing. We are the last of his followers, true and devout, through and through. You'll understand one day. I don't want to understand, Dad. This is crazy. I can't let you do this. You're killing people. I'm going to call the cops. My father shook his head. They won't be able to stop him. No one can stop him. It's fruitless. I really need you to trust me on this one, son. If you don't follow the black laws, then you'll have to... Hey! My father had stopped suddenly and looked as though he were about to have a heart attack. I had taken a step back and nearly stepped on the clay doll in the process. What? You be careful with that. Pick it up, put it back on the table, now. I looked down at the doll, picked it up, and studied it. It was faceless. It had long limbs, but no hands or feet, and it was, for some reason, heavier than it looked. What if I don't, I asked, wondering how I could use this to my advantage to get out of the house. Son, you know not what you're meddling with. Put it down, or... I don't know why I did it. Maybe I just wanted to show him that everything he ever believed was a lie, and that he had nothing to be afraid of. Maybe I just had hatred in my heart of the damn thing from years of having to see it in its counterparts as we did our weird rituals. Whatever the case was, I stabbed the doll right in the chest, and I swear it jerked its limbs in reaction. My father fell to his knees, clutching his chest, screaming and crying. He rolled over to his back, and my dog, whimpering, ran up and licked at his face. He was dead. Then I heard yelling and my mother whirled around screaming and ran down the hall with a candle. All I heard was gunfire and the sound of her body dropping to the floor. My father, meanwhile, lay motionless, while Alan ran between he and my mother, whimpering sadly. Apparently the neighbor had heard the commotion, saw the woman laying in our yard, and called the police. The cops had come and kicked in the door and changed my life for the better. All of my father's weird religious relics and family heirlooms were confiscated, And my sister and I faced a lot of questioning, but that was almost 20 years ago. Why is this all on my mind? My sister and I grew up like normal people, after having been adopted by another couple, but I never knew what happened to our dog, Alan. Lying in bed, I felt my heartbeat slowly speeding. I looked down at my feet, where Nala was suddenly awake, sitting up and staring at me. She was a black cat, so only her yellow eyes were visible in the darkness. When had we gotten her? I had no idea. This cat had seemingly popped up into our family's lives, and I had no idea of when this had happened, not even the slightest recollection. As my cat stared at me and I at her, for what must have been an eternity, I finally found the courage to sit up. I swiped over towards my lamp, my eyes never leaving Nala. I felt myself knock something to the floor, which promptly caught my attention. I hadn't left anything on my nightstand, had I? I turned on the lamp and looked at the floor. A faceless clay doll lay there, black as the night.
0: Yo. (laughs) That was good.
1: Yeah. So good. (laughs) Oh,
0: my gosh. That had me on, like, edge of of the seat the whole time.
1: Yeah. It reminded me of Midsummer and Hereditary mixed together, those two movies. Mm -hmm. So good. Like, the imagery in it. I can just imagine this, like... Foreboding dark house with no white in it. Yeah. Like this altar with the dolls. Wow.
0: What, uh, so it never says like what they were really worshiping. Mm-mm. I mean, was the dad like worshiping himself pretty much? <laughs> <laughs> the clay doll now? That's crazy.
1: Or was he sacrificing for whatever was yeah. below the well? And think about it the kids were only allowed to drink from that well, and he saw him place the man's corpse in it. Mm hmm. So, they were drinking dead body juice. <laughs> yeah. Disgusting. Gross.
0: Well, now that I am spooked.
1: <laughs> I'm spooked, too, just from reading it.
0: That was good. And you've already read it. Yeah. So, to read, you got re-spooked.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was a good story.
0: I, my story today is, uh, it's a true story, but it's more okay. of a mystery. Yeah. I mean, most of these historical stories are true because they're historical. Historical. Obviously. Real quick before I start my story, just want to let everyone know we are now on Apple Podcasts. So if you Ooh. prefer to be there, listen on Apple Podcasts. There you go. So we are now on three platforms: so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And also, I want to start reading stories from listeners. Yeah, so me too. If you guys have creepy stories, they don't have to be true. They can be made up. You they could you know you could have written them yourself or a story you've heard before. Write them. Email them to us. Our email is SpookySoupPodcast801 at gmail.com. And we would love to read those off on our podcast. So there you go. Fun little announcement.
1: Yeah. Send your stories our way. It might just get on the podcast.
0: Seriously, I would love that if you guys could. Uh, This is a fairly popular story going around right now. Okay. Uh, So some of you have uh, already may have already heard of it. Um, it is very strange, so that's why I'm sharing it today. This story is about the Somerton man. Okay. Setting the scene. City of Adelaide, Australia. December 1st, 1948. So post World War II. A body has been found on Somerton Beach. It is a man in his mid to late 40s, but he does not contain any form of ID. He was found lying against the seawall sitting up as if he had just fallen asleep he is fully dressed with a sport coat button-up shirt tie slacks and dress shoes here's a picture showing what he would have looked like so uh, from what i found this is not the real picture this is something that someone photoshopped uh, but it's just to give you an idea of kind of how he was sitting up okay okay so moving on here is a picture of what he was propped up against so in this photo you see the seawall by the sand right here and he was just laying up like he was just yeah laying against it sitting up and then above that there's like some stairs that lead up to um, a crippled children's house so j- just a building Okay. some would say this would be a simple closed case by calling him a John Doe and burying him but this is not the case in his pockets, they found one unused train ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, an unused bus ticket, juicy fruit gum, cigarettes, and a box of matches. Pretty common stuff for back then, right? Mm-hmm. Well, stranger things were found that investigators just can't understand. The items of clothing had their tags removed. So even so, the clothes he was wearing, no tags. So they couldn't really use that to be like, oh, we can identify him by... Uh, finding out where his clothes were from.
1: Seeing where, or when he went shopping. Exactly. Okay.
0: So they couldn't do it that way. And one single piece of paper torn that read, "Tamam should, which translates to, it's finished.
1: Oh, no. Uh,
0: This is from the autopsy report uh, quoted from Wikipedia. An autopsy was conducted, and the pathologist estimated the time of death at around 2 a.m., on the 1st of December, 1948. The heart was of normal size and normal in every way. Small vessels not commonly observed in the brain were easily discernible with congestion. There was congestion of the pharynx, and the gullet was covered with whitening of superficial layers of the mucosa with a patch of ulceration in the middle of it. The stomach was deeply congested. There was congestion in the second half of the duodenum, There was blood mixed with the food in the stomach. Both kidneys were congested, and the liver contained a great excess of blood in its vessels. The spleen was strikingly large, about three times the normal size. There was destruction of the center of the liver lobules revealed under the microscope. And congestion to the brain. Uh, The autopsy also showed that the man's last meal was a pastry eaten three to four hours before his time of death, but all tests failed to reveal any foreign substance in the body. So it sounds like he could have died from being poisoned, but they didn't find any trace of poison.
1: Oh, interesting. So, okay.
0: So going to back to the autopsy report, um, those are all signs of being poisoned. So like the uh, kidneys were congested. uh, The spleen was three times its normal size and the destruction of the liver um, and congestion in the brain. Mm-hmm. Other than poisoning, they couldn't find any trace of foul play. Hmm. So, doesn't make sense. All right. Uh, on January fourteenth, nineteen forty nine, a lone suitcase was found by staff. It was checked into the station sometime after eleven a.m. on November thirtieth, nineteen forty eight, just one day before the body was found at the beach. The suitcase label had been removed, similar to how his clothing labels were removed.
1: Okay, Getting somewhere.
0: Yep. Inside the suitcase were a red checkered dressing gown, red felt slippers, four pairs of underpants, pajamas, shaving items, a pair of trousers with sand in the cuffs, an electrician screwdriver, a table knife cut down into a short, sharp instrument, scissors with sharpened points, and a stenciling brush. Okay, so going back to that little uh, scrap of paper they found on um, on his person, it was found within a hidden pocket that was sewn within his trousers. Once again, the paper read "tamam shud," which is Persian for "it's finished."
1: I was wondering what language it was.
0: Persian, and found that it was on the last page of a book called "The Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam." The police took to the news asking anyone if they had a copy of the book. Eight months later, a man known as Ronald Francis came forward with a copy claiming he found it in the backseat of his car.
1: Mm,
0: Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, also, Ronald Francis, they don't know if that's his real name, an alias, or whatever it is. So, just heads up on that. So, sure enough, uh, they looked at it, and the last page of the book had a piece missing. Same piece of paper found on the Somerton man.
1: No way. Yeah, like the tears matched up and everything. Mm-hmm. You're kidding.
0: Yep. Oh, no, I'm not kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on the back of that specific copy of the Rubaiyat were written codes to describe it for our listeners. Um, the top row reads in all uppercase like M W M or a W. Hard to make it out. R G O A B A B D. Second line, uh, which is actually crossed out, reads M-L-I-A-D-I, and etc. So it's just a bunch of uppercase letters. Um, s- some have been scratched out. Experts were and still not able to decipher what the codes say. From Wikipedia, ABC television's journalist Stuart Littlemore, Department of Defense cryptographers, analyzed the handwritten text. The cryptographers report that... The cryptographers reported that it would be impossible to provide a satisfactory answer. If the text were an encrypted message, its brevity meant that it had insufficient symbols, from which a clear meaning could be extracted, and the text could be the meaningless product of a disturbed mind. Pretty much that is the same. We can't decipher it. It could also just be gibberish.
1: I feel like it's too calculated, though.
0: Could be. Included with the code was a phone number. That phone number led to a woman named Jessica Ellen Joe Thompson. Authorities called her in to have her see the body in hopes that she would be able to identify the Somerton man. Unfortunately, time had passed and the body had already been buried in the Adelaide Cemetery. A taxidermist was called in to make a molding of the man's face before the burial. When Jessica first laid eyes on the mold, it was reported that she was about to faint. She looked shocked but also scared at the same time. She claimed to not know who the man is, but her expression says otherwise. Uh, here's a picture of the mold. So that's the Somerton man, and there's the mold. So it's pretty accurate, in my opinion.
1: Wow, yeah.
0: Police questioned Jessica and were able to find out that in 1944, she gave a copy of the Rubaiyat to a soldier. That soldier's name was Alfred Boxel. Authorities tracked down the real Alfred Boxall and found that he was very much alive and still in possession of the Rubaiyat copy Jessica gave him. People speculate there is still something there, some connection, like maybe the Somerton man knew these two people. They're all connected somehow. Uh Um, But it just happens to be one big coincidence. So they say.
1: How, though? She recognized him.
0: And it's the Rubaiyat like yeah has anyone ever heard of this like I don't even know what this book is is it like religious text
1: watch it be like something super prominent and we just don't know yeah
0: (laughs) so like my question is like why was Jessica so shocked when she saw the mold and like it just doesn't make sense if she didn't know him but she reacted the same way that she did when she saw the mold
1: right if you saw a mold of someone you didn't know you'd be like what is this yeah you wouldn't be just like freaking out as she was
0: exactly So the mystery is still unsolved to this day, but there are hundreds of theories out there, and here are some that I think could possibly be the conclusion that we're looking for. Some people believe that he was a Soviet spy. This theory makes the most sense to me because in an interview with Kate Thompson, Jessica Thompson's daughter, Jessica confessed to Kate that she really did know who the Somerton Man was, but never said anything more about it. Kate herself believes her mother was a Soviet spy because Jessica herself spoke Russian.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So is this another coincidence?
1: I don't think so.
0: People in Australia don't regularly teach Russian or learn Russian. Also, Kate mentioned that her mother never told her where she learned how to speak Russian. Some believe Jessica never said anything after seeing the mold because she realized her Soviet spy she knew really well was dead and she could be next. Yeah. So she saw the mold, reacted the way she did, and said no, because I'm, su- I'm sure she said yes. Whoever killed the Summerton man would have found out and went right after her. Uh, this other theory relates back to the previous theory um, I just mentioned, and it uh, has to be in regards to Jessica's son. So as you can see in the following pictures, the Somerton man's ears are massive and deformed. This image isn't the best, but his ears are really really big compared to just a regular person's ears.
1: Like they're recognizable.
0: Mhm. Uh, also they mentioned something about his front teeth being more protruding than normal people's teeth.
1: Interesting. So you would recognize him yeah. easy.
0: Mhm. Like he would stand out compared to someone else like in a lineup mm-hmm. due to his They say deformities, but it's just like It's his, just his features. Yeah, his features. Yeah. So here's an image of Jessica with her baby boy, Robin Thompson. And I personally don't think they look similar, but here's an image of Robin all grown up. So that's him compared to this is the Somerton man from the side.
1: Okay, the ears and the nose. They match. They match. That's not the ears and the nose of Jessica.
0: Nope. So could they be related? Father and son. Was Jessica hiding who she really was to keep Robin safe? We don't know.
1: Maybe she hooked up with a Soviet spy.
0: Didn't realize it. Uh huh. But he might have told something to her. Here are a bunch of theories that I grabbed from fandom.com. These are some good ones. So, spy theory number one says the Summerton man was a spy working for the Soviets. He was discovered and assassinated by Australian forces. Spy theory number two the Summerton man was a Soviet spy who had decided to betray his country and start providing intelligence to the Australians in return for asylum. He was then taken out by the Soviets. I don't think the Russians would have thought twice about killing someone on Australian soil.
1: That makes more sense to me than the Australian government killing him and just leaving him in the open for people to find.
0: Yeah, and then leaving that note saying, it's finished. Yeah. Yeah. Spy theory number three, the Somerton Man was an Australian spy spying on the Soviets who was discovered and assassinated by the Soviets. So pretty similar to mm-hmm. one and two. Uh, spy theory number four. The Summerton man was an Australian secretly working for the Soviets who feared his cover had been blown and decided to commit suicide rather than face trial as a traitor and communist sympathizer.
1: How did he kill himself though? No poison was found, no trauma.
0: So here leads to another theory the suicide a man possibly already dying of a terminal illness or something wishes to get dressed up one last time look out on a fantastic australian sunset and end his life so some were saying it could be an accident or it was on purpose by the man had gone down for a lie down in the sun fallen asleep slid down the wall slightly and because of the position of his head and neck was unable to breathe Uh, mother's instincts the Somerton Man, Robin's biological father, returns and tries to take the young boy away with him. Hmm. Assassination by wildlife. Australia has plenty of interesting wildlife. Some of it is very poisonous. Could the Summerton Man have been bitten or stung by something deadly? And they couldn't find the bite marks?
1: Maybe there was a, like, flesh-eating bacteria or something in the water. Mm-hmm. Some sort of microbe.
0: While most people suspect foul play and believe it to be murder, um, I would not be so quick to rule out just natural causes, mm-hmm. whatever that is. This next one says, cover-ups and planted evidence. Really, the only thing left is to blame the Illuminati or aliens. Definitely the aliens. <laughs> 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 that, one, that one was my favorite. So yeah, they like did it.
1: zapped him with a laser, and that's why there's no trace. <laughs> yep.
0: So, once again, there are hundreds of theories out there, but we do not know for certain what happened to the Somerton man.
1: I think it's someone that Jessica knew. They had put her phone number in the back of this book that he had just to remember it and was probably at the end of his life or knew that, and so he wanted to get dressed up, went to the beach, one final look. And on his way out, he just ripped out the paper and put it in his pocket as a way of saying, like, it's done, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. Threw the book in someone's car and sure. just went and passed away peacefully. Yeah. At least that's what I would hope.
0: Yeah. I think the original, like, spy theory makes the most sense to me. Like, the yeah, Russian spy with the ties to Jessica. And and then that man I mentioned earlier, Ronald Francis. Like, I, I actually think there's some connection there. Yeah. Because it's just... Just so happened that he had the copy and, you know, he blames it on leaving his windows down and someone putting in the backseat of his car. What
1: a cool the story. So man. interesting.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Very, uh, very mysterious. In my yeah. Opinion. So one day I'm sure we'll find out what happened. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll uh, scare you on the next episode.
1: Stay spooky. See you later. Bye.